We are here because of God's grace. It's through God's love and grace that we acknowledge the First Nations people on whose land we meet. We acknowledge their care for country, land, oceans and waters. We acknowledge elders past, present and future. We acknowledge past injustices. And we acknowledge the need through Jesus and with Jesus to work towards conciliation. You've found the Next Steps podcast from Citywide Baptist Church, where we go deeper and wrestle with the stuff we talk about on a Sunday morning. So please join us as we take next steps together. Hello and welcome to the Next Steps podcast from Citywide Baptist Church. I'm Matt, I'm your host. Joining me today are Mitchell, Matt Garvin, our pastor, and Gus, a retired elder from Citywide Baptist Church. We're recording this episode on Monday, the 1st of November, and uh, you'll be able to find it and download it on Wednesday, the 3rd of November. Uh, welcome, guys. Um, Matt, tell us about what we uh, what we got into yesterday at, uh, at Citywide. Oh, uh, well, I didn't actually get to Citywide. Obviously, I was watching on the TV, but uh, uh, the the message was focused in and around completing the loop of the... We've got this diagram we've been bouncing off uh, and uh, the final uh, stop on that diagram is act, just doing stuff. And I, uh, I started by um, bouncing off uh, what... Jesus was saying in Matthew 5, 14, where he calls us to be the light of the world. And he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What he seems to be saying is that our light is related to what we do, that people see our behavior and our behavior is meant to stand out. Uh, I, I think through, through the Reformation, uh, there was a real emphasis on grace versus works and people were very worried about uh, focusing too much on what you do. Uh, but it's very clear for Jesus. He, he focuses on what we do. Uh, in fact, he actually says, anyone who sets aside my commands will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he then goes on and says, uh, Anyone who practices or does, puts them into practice on a repetitive basis, these and also teaches others to do the same, teaches these commands, what we call greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he says, you guys, your righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And later on in the book of Matthew, I think he explains why he says that, where he says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do uh, because they don't practice what they preach. And uh, I, I, it, it occurred to me, this is, we, we often talk about practicing what you preach. This is actually where this, that phrase in the English language comes from, Matthew chapter 23, verse 2. And, and I, I, I love that in Australia, people are hypersensitive to bulldust. They're, they're hypersensitive to uh, whether you say one thing and do another. In other cultures, it's not quite as focused as that. 
we are the only country with a phrase like fair income, which really means that your words and your actions line up. And, and I, I think that at that level, the Australian culture is, is almost a bit Jewish. You know, the, the, the idea that you can be a, a good bloke and not do what you say is just anathema to Australians. You can't, it doesn't work that way. A good bloke is someone who does what they say, whose words and actions line up. And I, I think we in the church um, have to face the fact that often the, the charge in our culture laid against us is that we're hypocrites. We, we say one thing and, and do another, and there's some real tragic examples of that. And I think what is on my heart for our church and for our city is that people would find hope in Jesus. And I think the only way that works is if we live it, whether it, whether, if it comes out in our behaviour. And we, we took it from that, just about the, the doing. And, and, and in the, the diagram, we said, like, if you repetitively do something, it becomes a habit. And there's this little proverb that says, sow a thought, reap an action, sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. Like, this stuff isn't rocket science. It is, it's ultimately, you've got you to do it. You've you got you to do it. Uh, Paul, I quoted Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 where he says, in a race, uh, all the runners run, but only one person gets the prize. So you've got to run in such a way to get the prize. And he says, how do you do that? He says, you train yourself. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That I, I, I would love... You know, there's this part of me that would just love to be a church where everything was just inspirational and mountaintop moments and it just you felt good the moment you walked in the door. And stuff. But I actually don't... What I'm aspiring for Citywide to be is not that, despite the fact that it would be kind of fun to be like that. What I'm aspiring for Citywide to be is a church that is like a, a gymnasium, that's a training centre where we're, we're learning to do... what to 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 live out in our lives the truth of the gospel and not just talk about it. And so that's why we've got these little cards we've been putting out uh, that sort of help people think through some of the spiritual disciplines. And, and ultimately, when you boil it down, this is the, the core question of our faith. What does it mean to actually do it? And, and, and often we can know what we need to be doing, but we put it off. And Dan was using the example of there's a, a very simple thing he could have done in his backyard, which he put off. This is a classic example for so many people. They know all the bits and pieces they need to do in their house, but it's not until you get your house ready for sale that you get around to doing it. And you think, why didn't I do this earlier? It would have been so much better. Uh, I could have enjoyed my house much for, much better if I'd actually done it and lived in it. But uh, he he was reflecting on the example of just how important it is just to do it. Just There are things in our lives we know we need, we ought to be doing. And I think uh, what the what Jesus' words would be to us, uh, uh, stop stuffing around. <laughs> do it. Just do it. To borrow a tag from Nike, but I think that's that's the 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 heart of what Jesus' message is. And it's and it's confronting. Because because often doing it requires us to do what doesn't feel natural or normal or even nice. Like nothing about loving your enemies is going to be fun uh, or being patient or, you know, 
the, a lot of Jesus' teaching is just confronting, and it means actually facing what you, this part of you that wants to do something that feels a bit more comfortable, but Jesus calls you out to do something different. And I, so that's what we were talking about on Sunday, mate. What does it mean to actually put our faith into practice and, and for it to then become habit that changes our character? Mm. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, Gus, first, welcome to the podcast. And um, look, you've been you've been around the traps at Citywide. You've seen the church community go through a lot of different seasons and changes. Just how does this land for you, what Matt's sharing with us today? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, it's interesting. I think it's, it's, I mean, I've been involved in different churches since I was a little kid and probably a bit more engaged in a formal church since I moved to Tassie 20 years ago. So, you know, I have some background in this, but this is probably the last couple of years has been the first time where I feel a lot of the movement and a lot of the expectation and what, you know, the desire, certainly the, the stated desire from Matt, from the leadership, but also from those that are sort of trying to build the community is actually trying to sort of reflect some of, of Jesus' you know, practices, behaviours, teachings, not just learn and not just take it from being theory, you know, knowing good stuff and listening to good stuff, but actually having it influence your life mm. in a much tangible, visible way to the extent that you can have conversations about it. So, yeah, I think this is, for me, it's just part of a journey that we've been on for a little while. Um, the whole notion of habits and, and practising something is a bit tricky because... You know, I, I'm quite good at some things, but there's lots of things I'm crap at and I've always been. And to think that, you know, if there are things I should master and be better at that I need to just start putting that into practice, that's challenging because you know, it's not going to be particularly easy and I might fail and, and you know, I won't achieve the level of, of improvement or the level of result that I really like to. So, yeah, I find that whole concept has also got a fair bit of challenge in it and... But I'm excited by it as well, so I'm, 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 I want to give it a go. Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Gus. Yeah, Mitchell, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I just heard Matt talk about uh, spiritual disciplines before, and I was just hoping to ask you guys, like, what are some examples of spiritual disciplines that you guys have actually enacted throughout your lives that others may be able to copy or maybe look to as inspiration for them to then enact themselves? It's a great question, Matt. Um, there's two levels to it. One, one of the things with the spiritual disciplines, I, 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 I worried about saying this is how I do it, therefore this is how you should do it. In that, I, what I find is the Holy Spirit seems to meet me where I'm at and and gradually help me face a thing at a time. That's why we've got these little guides uh, for the the different behaviours and even those little guides. Are meant to, they really just ask questions and they don't say this is how you should do it that they sort of get your thinking stuff through but in terms of for me um there's been a number of things that have been really important for me uh i i started i um i, I think i i was more shaped by the evangelical culture than i than i realized and i realized that in the evangelical culture there's this sense that you've got to feel it to do it like you, there's something wrong about praying a, pre, a written out prayer because it's not coming from your heart or it's there's something it's got to come from who you are. And so that's why often I, 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 I've just for me, I, I didn't really sometimes I'd be sitting down with my Bible and I just didn't feel it. <laughs> I thought this is boring. And so I went, my, went and did something else. 
And I had to gradually, for me, the first real spiritual discipline probably was just sitting, finally realizing it helps if my first cup of coffee is connected with my Bible. And, and I just reading through my Bible in every morning and in that trying to create space to do a bit of prayer and, and journaling. What I mean by journaling is just writing down what's coming into my head, what's sticking out. And often it's a mixture of getting out the crap as well as hearing what God's saying. So it's not a, it's really messy and I'd be terrified for anybody to actually read what I'm writing um, because it's, it's not my, me at my best. But though that stuff, like I think has been uh, an example uh, of uh, getting some spiritual disciplines in place. I later on, uh, the thing of a Sabbath and having a day off has been a really important part for me too. Uh, and 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 also in that making time to uh, be one on one and trying to, and for me having a, a date night was actually a spiritual discipline. Actually, having a time with Leanne was actually a bit of a spiritual discipline. I don't, I don't think there's a li- there's a there's a, a limited list. I think that it's kind of the Holy Spirit will lead you to okay, what are some of the things you got to work on, um, uh, to in order to. Um, deal with stuff another one i got i got addicted to porn um early on and which is i'm not real proud about uh and so i had to um uh develop the discipline of being accountable with that and i put software on my computer and 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 i'm pleased to say it's no longer for me a, a major issue um but it was a that was a big deal that was affecting a whole lot of my spiritual journey. And I just felt horrible. It felt sort of like a hypocrite. So I had to get some disciplines in place to manage that. So I I think that's a long way of saying, I think there's a a bunch of different things that have been kind of building blocks, but I feel like I've still got a long way to go with a bunch of other things. Hmm. Uh, Gus, did you have any, anything to share on that? Yeah. I mean, look, it's an interesting question, Mitch, and I'll, Deflect a little bit because, you know, actual disciplines versus, you know, life, the way I should just be doing things, I don't make a massive distinction between them. But, you know, one thing for me that I've been and think about from time to time is this notion of what, what I think of as congruence, that sort of, you know, the notion that what you think and what you say and the way you behave actually has to align with the way you show up for people. So you can't sort of, you know, espouse certain things and then, you know, but then not reflect that in the way you behave. And, you know, one a particular area for that that's challenging for me is you know, I'm not very good at saying no. I, I, I do say yes to things a lot. People ask me to do things or be involved or whatever, and I'll often agree. And so when I say yes, you know, best intentions, but do I actually, am I actually committing to doing what it is I've said I will do? And when you don't do that or you do that habitually, it just, tends towards just letting people down. And I hate that feeling. I really don't like feeling that I've let people down, you know, family, friends, work, etc. And I guess I had to realise that, you know, when I say yes to something or I agree to take something on, oftentimes I'm not actually making a commitment. I'm just sort of putting an intent, but intent's not good enough. And, and I hate it when people say, you promised something, because I say, oh, no, I didn't really promise. You know, yeah, I said I'd be there, but, oh, you know, and, and really, it's not good enough. I mean, if you say something, you may as well call it a promise. And if that's the thing that makes you feel a bit more con- committed to it, then stick to it. 
So then I have to be a lot more, um, I suppose, careful about what I do agree to so that, you know, I can actually think of it as a promise, not just as a, you know, best endeavours type thing. And so that's a continuing challenge for me, um, um, you know, and one way to deal with, you know, one way I've been, got through a lot of my life is maybe not do everything to the standard or to the level or whatever that I'd like to, just, you know, do a bit of things and like have a dip. But even then, it's still not, it's still not really good enough. Like if you actually promise to do something to, for someone or you, you know, join a group, you know, you've, you've, you've made a tacit agreement to do what it takes to, to be in that and you've got to stick to it. So, yeah, that's, that's one thing that I'm, I'm working on. I've been at this for a while and I haven't quite got that right yet, but it's something that I'm regularly challenged about. Yeah, thanks, Gus. Yeah, Mitchell, uh, I I think my answer, I, I would I would lean on the, the side of really encouraging people to just um, have a go at, at some things. Like I, I actually did a, a unit as part of my studies at, uh, at Alpha Crucis College called Spiritual Disciplines. <laughs> Where we um we looked at all kinds of different different things that people do, and um you know there were things like um, listening prayer was one that was one we talked about a lot at Citywide a couple of years ago, you know, and it can be useful to try some things out, and some things will feel, yeah, this is me, I this works for me, and I can do this thing, and other things won't feel won't won't feel right, and then also like Matt said. Sometimes it's not about how it feels. Sometimes it's about, well, is this actually doing something for me? I guess for me, um, I was only talking last week, Mitch, when you were away about how uh, the last couple of years I've started the, the year with the intent, I'm going to read through the Bible in, 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 in a year. And I'd done the math. I'd worked out how many pages I had to read every day on my Bible to get through the whole year and be great for a couple of months. And then I'd miss a day or two. And then I'd sort of feel like, ah, it's wrecked now. I can't do it. Um, and so I would encourage you, like, if you're going to do something like that, be kind to yourself and, and realize that, you know, you, you don't always, you don't always quite hit it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep plugging away at it. Um, the other thing I'd say is for me, the big one is always trying to start everything I do with prayer. Like it, it sounds like it should almost go without saying, but it doesn't. Even as Christians, the amount of times we try to do something important and we sort of don't actually ask God to be with us in it. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of my big ones. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks, guys. That was actually really awesome to hear what you've got to say and the things you suggested. And um, I thought it was actually interesting how there is no set of uh, particular uh, spiritual disciplines that are good or that should be done i i because that's something i think i've struggled with i think in the last couple of years when i've decided to take my faith a lot more seriously is that that acting part and spending time with god i just didn't really know how to actually go about it like i tried potentially listening to podcasts or i tried just you know reading random bits of the bible or something nothing really stuck so i think that's actually encouraging to just understand that that may just happen to people and you need to keep going and mm. uh, you know persisting to find uh, different ways of uh, achieving that i think it would be fair to say too I, I don't know whether matt and gus you want to weigh in on this but i think it would be fair to say too that in different seasons of your life a different discipline might be required 
Yeah. I, 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 look, I, I'm sure that you're always on a journey and that God's always, like even for me, my quiet time changes up. I think there are three things, though, that you do need um, that are, but how they're expressed can be different. I, I think you, you, you need fellowship. Like you need you need people who you can be honest with and who can you can pray for and they can pray for you. I think you need prayer, however that works for you. Like and for me, I'm I feel like I'm still a country mile from where I want to be with prayer. But I'm there's not much point talking about a relationship with God unless you're talking to God. You know, so that's however and and I think that'll always be something you get uh, you'll you'll develop and it'll keep them changing. And I do think you need, at some level, to be getting into the Word of God, like to be getting into the Bible. Whether, like for me, it was really helpful to to, to listen through the Bible for a year or to so to people, people engage with it differently. Or just so for some people, it's just the the verse of the day that pops up on the Bible app. Or others, like I'm finding helpful to read through. Um, whatever, but you you need some input that is from the Bible that sort of is a is a, a, a bit of a counterbalance. And and in all that, what we're saying with that diagram is somehow you need to create space to reflect. Uh, and then from there, the other stuff will happen. You need, if you're just being carried along by life, you, it's going to be hard to have any kind of relationship with God. You, you need some kind of space somewhere to let the dust settle and hear the spirit. And But what we're saying with all these different um these are all different things that help get you down that path uh, in, in, and those paths. And, and you need, and, and there are different disciplines. And one of the things that uh, I, I'm appreciating, there's a guy by the name of John Mark Comer, who Gus has read one of his books recently. He's just got a brand new book out about the, the, the spiritual battle we're in. And, and he, and, and there's a, a, an old Christian understanding that says that there are three forces out to take you away from God, that that you will experience resistance, that that as you as you step forward and try to reach out to Jesus, you will experience resistance because there is forces that are trying to pull you back, and those three forces the Bible talks about are the world, the system that sets itself up to say this is what you need in order to be okay, uh, the flesh, the part of you that just wants to be comfortable and safe, and the devil. Uh, and and what the Bible makes clear is his main weapon is lies. And sometimes you'll get these thoughts come into your head that feel like they have a almost have a will of their own. They like they want to be thought. And and, and it's like and and it's uh, these when you feel like you have these random thoughts that come into your head that want to take you down an unhelpful place. The early church would be saying, "Well, that's an indication that there's a bit of an attack going on. There's a, there's a, there's some. The enemy's trying to get in and, and affect your mind and your heart." And and so I think it's it's helpful to realise it's not just. It's why these spiritual disciplines are so important. It's not just about you. That there is a the Bible makes it clear that there are forces who want to take you away from God, and you and you need the you need the ultimately you need. The, the fellowship, prayer, and the word of God to help keep you in, on the heading in the, in the right direction. And uh, that's why 
just ha- trying to live a world where you're just having nice feelings and operating from a this the you know your feeling world it just it just doesn't work that's why the disciplines are so important so it's a whole again a long ramble and i forget the um the name of john mark comer's new book i'm looking forward to getting it uh but it's uh it's a it's about all this stuff that we're talking about it's certainly something that resonates with me matt um I know I've shared before um, being involved in church leadership is something that I've been doing for the last couple of years. And I regularly, um, you know, have these feelings of, you know, like, like I call it sort of an imposter syndrome sort of feeling of like, oh, you don't know what you're doing, what you shouldn't be here. And what you realize when you really think about it is, yeah, there's, you know, um, there's someone who's got an interest in me, feeling this way and that's Mm. not and it's not me Mm. (laughs) um yeah those those things aren't coming from from me but um i think when we're in a position where we're not grounded and we're not uh like you said where we're not engaging in fellowship where we're not secure in our relationship with jesus where something like that can really knock us off course absolutely absolutely yeah I was just thinking, Mitch, as you were as you were describing that, you know, struck me that there's a lot of things that we try and do, you know, to try and get better at. So you commit to doing something, and most things that you have a go at, they're sort of interesting at first. There, there's a little bit of an entertaining, engaging phase, um, but then a lot of things at some point that wears off and they become a bit boring or a bit mundane or it's not pushing your buttons or whatever. And one thing I've tried to do is not give up just because something's boring or the gloss has gone off it. I mean, you don't have to keep doing everything all the time, but stop doing something when it's the right thing to stop or when it's not the right thing to keep doing. Don't just stop it because it got boring or, you know, the the, the sexy part of it finished because that's often not going to be very helpful. So if you, if you sort of push through that, then at some stage later, you, know, you can actually make a, a decision, but it's not just based on, you know, giving up type thing. And I, I found that helpful with some things. And one way to, you know, that Matt mentioned, one way to sort of keep you honest about that is actually tell people what you're going to try and do. So if you share that with a group of people that you trust that won't, you know, they won't bag you out if you do the wrong thing, but I mean, they'll they'll keep you accountable to it. And so, you know, if you tell someone, you know, I plan to, to do X, this is a change I want to make, you know, then if they touch base with you from time to time, if you've given that up just because you got sick of it, it's like, oh, okay, did you think that wasn't worth doing anymore? And so I find that quite a helpful thing. And as I say, not everything goes forever, but at least if you can be in charge of the decisions, then you know, that's a good thing. It is a great thing when you can have, um, and, and generally we don't have a whole ton of them, but when you can have just a few companions in your journey who you can really hold one another accountable, um it's very helpful hmm. Hmm. it's been important for me like i i actually knew coming to the church i was going to need that so i i i called gus and another guy mark and then uh, there's phil and now harm uh and so we catch up once a week and and, and I, yeah, I don't think you can share your whole story with everybody, but you need a few people who you're gradually on the journey with. And and it's messy. It's not like when we catch up, it's a neat and tidy kind of 
well thought out agenda or anything like that. The conversation ranges all over the place, and at different times, one person will be having a harder time than other people, or you know, and sometimes there'll be a theme that we're all sort of going through stuff. Rather, but but I know for me, just having that regular rhythm of where even that where someone's going to ask you how you're going, uh, and you've got to work it work that out. Because often for me, I don't actually know how I'm going. I, I, I don't often stop to think about it. So all that stuff matters. So yeah, that's a, that's one of the things I'm really keen on. We call those kingdom cells. I, I, I really hope uh, that we can that normalise that in our church, that everybody has that level of fellowship with a few people. Because hmm. uh, I think it, it is essential. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt, you talked about one of the one of the real challenges we have particularly today is this idea that um christians or the the capital c church has often not practiced what it preached and i'm just wondering um practically what do we do about that well how, how do we face that yeah well i think it's a, a cultural thing i think it comes out of the, the battle we're in uh, but I, I also I do think there's been a particular emphasis that's come through the Reformation where we people are worried about anything that smacks of works, um, which is interesting because uh, the Bible itself says faith without works is dead. Uh, so, but it, so I think we've overcorrected with that. But I I I I, I do think we've got to get back to. Uh, normalizing the idea that we our faith isn't something that it's our faith isn't a spectator sport and church isn't something where we come to just have a, a, a religious experience uh, we we need to normalize the idea that there are there are disciplines and also um, we, we try and do things where we we as a church encourage each other to connect with our neighbours or at Christmas time do something in the, the local paddock or uh, Anzac Day. We try and do things where we put it into practice and we will sometimes we'll cancel church and go and serve the community. Um, it just, it, it, it's a journey and, and it's uncomfortable. Uh, and I think there's a whole, whole lot of, that's why we've got these acronyms up the front of the church uh, the, on these banners that say follow, bless and share. And, and I think those behaviours sort of capture it, like the, the sh share, even the, the very first letter of share, speaking the truth in love. Uh, just doing that is unusual. And and I think that's the... Because we, we tend to, we you know, we tend to avoid conflict unless it's through, as we said last week, through, you know, bombing people on Facebook or something. Like it, I, I, uh, I, I think th this is the the real dilemma we're in. We had this really encouraging conversation, a challenging conversation with many of the local pastors here. We, you know, when we got together, and all of us were saying the great challenge we have is Jesus said that we're to go and make disciples, not go and make Christians, and and that we haven't we've been focused on making Christians. But not enough people have been disciplined or discipled by Jesus so that their lives reflect him, so that it's not been acted out. Uh, and so we have a whole lot of immature Christians. who And immaturity is 
uh, as Paul defines it in Ephesians 4, uh, this place where your actions are determined by your circumstances. So a little baby is hungry, so it cries, or it's cold, so it cries. It, it, its actions are determined by its circumstances, whereas maturity is that you, you are not thrown around on the waves like a cork, is what Paul would say. Mature, a mature person has a rudder, is able to steer their life. And and talking with local pastors here, there was this just general sense that we, we've got to rethink how we do church because we're not producing enough of that. Hmm. Mitchell, as a, as a younger person who's sort of stepping into some of this stuff for the first time as a young adult, um, what's been your experience? Um, yeah, I've, I've found maybe the last year or two, I think, as, as I said, as I've been uh, taking my faith more seriously, I've found that as, as uh, you guys were talking before, fellowship has been incredibly helpful in that journey with uh, the young adults group I've got. Um, and also chatting to, you know, perhaps older people in the church and even engaging in this podcast has actually been really helpful to, uh, for me to just talk about the topics that are talked about on Sunday, but then break them down in, I, I guess, a non-presentational way, I think is, is really great for me. Um, but in terms of discipleship and heading into this uh, new age, I find it, it's been a bit, uh, not necessarily overwhelming, but it's been an interesting experience through just uh, a lack of, I guess, experience and just trying to find out how to do things on my own, I guess. And I guess that's just generally just maturing. Um, mm. And in that experience, I've, I've tried, as I said, many different things in um, engaging with Jesus and, uh, you know, going through and trying to read my Bible more and stuff like that. But there's always just been different things in that journey that have, not necessarily kept me back, but have uh, hindered that experience. And so I'm trying to, as Matt is saying, uh, be in charge of the ship and continue to be able to go through uh, despite the circumstances that I may be in. Yeah. Yep. Great. Gus, what's been, what, 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 what's been your, your experience of this, this stuff that Matt's been talking about, about the, the, the sort of cultural struggle that we've been involved in with, with trying to have disciples and mature Christians, not baby Christians. Uh, what's been your, your experience of that in your time? Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe slightly tangential to that question, but I've been thinking a bit recently about this, about some of the different terminology and Matt's mentioned it a few times and we've talked about it a couple of times, you know, this thing about, discipleship what does that actually mean and maybe a better term for that or what actually Jesus meant when he says to people follow me it's much much more of a lens of, of apprenticeship mm. and you know I, I work with a lot of apprentices in the hydro I, you know I've worked alongside them um, and so and this book John Mark Comer's book um, God has a name does talk also a bit about apprenticeship and what actually Jesus was hinting at when he said that, used that term. I can't remember what the what the actual biblical word was, but it doesn't really matter. But it's sort of interesting because when I get to meet apprentices, there's a sort of an assumption that you have to come to an apprenticeship without an assumption that you already know stuff, that you, you already know how to do it all. You've got to come with an assumption of, well, you know, I, I, I want to learn. I want to understand. You sort of have to start from the ground up. It's a bit of a... And that even mature age apprentices, when they come, they sort of, you do have to 
almost, you know, humble yourself a little bit to actually be prepared to, to be told and be taught and be shown and observe and to practice and all that sort of stuff. So it's a bit of a, I think that's a challenge in our society, particularly if you're not, you know, if you're, you know, 13 or 14 or something, maybe, you know, and someone's going to show you how to do something great. Or if you're a 17 year old apprentice and someone's going to show you how to, you know, clamp two bits of metal together, that's fine. But when you're, you know, 25 or 30 or 40 or 50, you know, actually seeing yourself as an apprentice, as in, you know, I don't, you know, I need to be shown what to do or I need to be taught how to go about this does require some sort of humility. And, you know, I don't think any of us are beyond that, even if you've been a Christian for a number of, you know, long time. Mm. There's an element of apprenticeship as in I don't have all the answers, so therefore, you know, I need to be shown. And Jesus has lots of different ways of showing us things. Some of it's direct, you know, to you through the spirit. Some of it's through the word. Some of it's through others. Some of it can be through, you know, creation. There's lots of different ways that you don't want to be taking with you an assumption that you already know stuff because that's a bit risky. Then you're, you're sort of doing it all in your own strength. And then when things don't work and you fail or you fall on your face, you've only got yourself to blame if you did it you know, via your own endeavours. So, yeah, I think but that's something I've been thinking about a bit in discipleship recently hmm. oh, i think it's very true i mean i think uh, if if i i'm just i was just sitting here listening to you talk gus and i'm reflecting on um my own experience over the last few years being a student at bible college um and then really in a lot of ways feeling apprentice to people like like matt and dan um and even yourself like like um feeling apprentice to, to you guys in terms of looking at how do you how do you do things from a pastoral point of view how do you do things from a church leadership point of view and um it does it takes humility um because you you do you, you sometimes you're proud and you think well i'm smart i can do i know how to do stuff but it's not about how smart you are because there are people who've got lived experience and then it's also interesting that while we we often can find ourselves in this role of being an apprentice we're often also apprenticing other people at the same time because i know i find myself in the position of leading youth ministry working with someone like mitch feeling quite a lot of responsibility for helping him in, in his journey um so it is this idea of um yeah we're we're sometimes we're being led and sometimes we're leading at the same time even Mm. Yeah, and I think that's, I, I've experienced a lot of that as well, that, you know, there's, you can be doing, playing more than one role at any one time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess, Matt, that, that, that's another one of these tensions where when we talk about this stuff, when we talk about community stuff, we, we nearly always come back to this, I think every episode of the podcast so far, the word that the term, it's attention has come up. Um, mm. But this is another tension, isn't it? In between, uh, leading and following sometimes at the same time yeah that's why i love what gus was saying for me we don't have to worry so much in that if we're focusing on jesus and, and we're apprenticing to him mm. um then we don't have to worry so much about what we're doing and whether you know i'm because sometimes it'll be right for me to step forward sometimes it'll be right for me to step back and that'll be determined by the question, what would Jesus do if he was in my circumstance uh, in this scenario I'm in right now? And, 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 and so, yep, 
there'll be an, an additional responsibility for people who are a few steps behind us. There might be less responsibility for people who are a few steps ahead of us. But that, that can change too. So uh, I, I do, yep, we've got to live in this tension and live in the tension of between where I am and where Jesus is. And there's a country mile between where I am and where Jesus is. Uh, and and But I, I still am reaching for him. And, and somehow he promises to be with us in all that mm. and, and not to beat us over the head for not being perfect, but to, to help us grab the, grab our... I think he promises to grab our hand. Yeah. And that's why it's good that it's a journey, Matt, to go that country mile. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, Matt, what are we going to be um, talking about at church this Sunday? So this coming Sunday, we're going to, for the last time, uh, look at this diagram again, uh, for the last time in this sermon series anyway. I think we'll keep coming back to it. Uh, and, and ask the question, okay, so what? what? What does this mean for us, actually? What does this mean for us individually and as a church? Uh, and we will sort of take the, the next steps in, in terms of unpacking the whole diagram and saying, okay, what does it mean for us to put this into practice? And then point towards where we'll be heading in terms of what does it mean for us to be a church that encourages all of us to be taking this journey to grow in faith and focusing on Jesus and being led by Jesus. Mm. That sounds awesome. All right. Well, I want to thank all you guys for joining us. And um, yeah, please, uh, when you find the podcast, uh, share, like, uh, comment, uh, send us your questions. We really want to have your questions. And um, yeah, we'll see you all next week.